throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another fun-filled but knowledge-packed hour of Things <laughs> Worth Considering. Uh, I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and I am here with the professor extraordinaire, Dr. Jan Hill. <laughs> now, Jan acquired a new addition to her, her family. How's your puppy? I did. I got a new puppy. Yeah? Yeah, she's the sweetest. She's good. Where'd she come from? Came from Texas. So that was a rescue. Yep. I think it's very cool. Yep. I think it's very cool. Yep. Um, the people are doing rescue dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really like fun and fluffy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I've never had a white colored dog before. And she's with, white. She's all houndy. Pardon me? Dark furniture? Uh, yeah, yeah. It changes it. Whole wardrobe's got to change, right? Um, but she goes to dog park every day and comes home with guck all over her. And it makes me realize that all these years that I had dark colored dogs, they probably also had guck on them. I just didn't know, right? Exactly. So exactly. now it's like, oh, don't go on my bed. And way back then it was like, hey, just come on the bed. Here. Right? So you're going to have to wash it more often. I am. Hmm. Hmm. One more thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're the same person, you know, that like in, in a week that uh, is um, uh, the, uh, has done a rescue dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, things run in threes. I'm wondering if the universe is trying to give me like some sort of a it's message. It's time here. to get a puppy. Yeah, really. <laughs> Really, the other one is a, that uh, my friend has. Uh, well, you know him from here. He yeah. works, works around the school. Carl is a beautiful uh, husky. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's just amazing. Anyways, enough about dogs. You know, we were talking about people who blame. Uh, and I'm not blaming you for having a rescue dog. I think that's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, you know, the, the people that are always pointing at other people and. And, uh, you know, just absolutely will never admit that they may be involved in whatever situation that they're trying to get out of. Uh, we talked about how our self-image and public image, you know, what we think about ourselves and what we're worried about other people thinking about us might be at stake when we have to admit that we made a mistake. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an adult thing to do, though. To admit when we made a mistake? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, and it's if- like, you know. Uh, well, I joked last time and said, you know, I had two other people that lived in the house, and it was, you know, not me and, and uh, you know. They did you know, it. With, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they did it. And they did it, yeah. Yep. Not me. I don't know. Um, and, and that's, you know, when adults start to do that, it just kind of gets, like, kind of tedious. Well, you know what? If you feel comfortable uh, accepting responsibility for things, then it's fine, right? Because you know that if you... I don't know, didn't put gas in the car or put the milk jug back in, oh, and almost like done or whatever, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know that when people ream you out for it, they're not, you know, you're not going to, your fundamental identity isn't attacked. True. Right? You're True. just like, whoops. <laughs> well, you know, there's oops, but it's, it's, what were they thinking that they needed to put this little teeny bit of milk that's left? You know, or yeah. cream it back in the fridge. They were trying to destroy your trust. Well, they worked. It worked well. It worked. Actually, they destroyed it when they came home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, the other the other one is that uh, you know people who who uh, don't want to admit it is for some people it's they would rather apologize than to ask for permission. You know what? That makes me go crazy yes. when I hear that. I go crazy. I just lose my stuff. I lose my. SH. Yes. <laughs> Fill in the blanks. Yeah. yeah, I lose so it. So it drives me crazy as well. Yeah, because basically what they're saying is I'm going to do what I want to do. And yeah, uh, you know what? Saying. Yeah, too, I know it affects you or too bad it affects you. And I'm going to do it anyway. And then I'm going to play on your compassion afterwards. Well, like, yeah, exactly. So that we can be friends again. And uh, then they come in and do this, oh, I'm sorry, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, and it was so, you know, premeditated. It's so, like, mapped out. It's yeah. like, this wasn't an accident. Super fake. Yeah. Super yeah. fakeness that people and don't do keep, that. And don't keep apologizing for something that's just something, nothing more than repetitive behavior. Yeah, exactly. Change right? the behavior. Yeah. You know, 
Um, yeah, this you see, this is the kind of stuff. This gets under, I think, everybody's skins. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, just the whole thing of apologizing or admitting. Nobody likes to admit we made a mistake, but hey, we're not going to do this perfectly. That's why we're here mm-hmm. uh, to learn things. Yeah, you know, it's school. Well, it's kind of like you know. I'm sure you've encountered this in school. Is that people? People are there. They're sitting, sitting in your class, and they want to show you how much they know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they answer all the questions, and they're you know, um, and it's like, aren't you here as a student? Or they want to co-facilitate the yeah. class with you. Yeah, yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah, I think though. I mean, if you think about what's the unmet need, right? People do that if they feel insecure about something, or sometimes they just actually really want a dialogue. Right? They really, truly want a dialogue. And they actually don't realize that no one else understands what they're saying or cares. Right? <laughs> or cares. Yeah, yeah. They're hungry for something a little bit yeah, deeper. Yeah, because you were sounding very, very compassionate and empathetic at that moment. And I'm like, what's going on here? I know. It's, it's because like, I've done it so much down. myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sit down. Um, this is my class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, part of this whole thing of responsibility certainly in today's world, I think really is reflecting back on parenting. Yep, absolutely. You know, one of, one of, one of the things that I see is that, a, you know, a kid gets into trouble and all kids are going to get into some, some sort of trouble. Uh, you know, trouble could be, you know, for one family, like, absolutely. Are you kidding me? You call that trouble? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for others, it's much more serious. But mm-hmm. um, I, what I'm seeing is, is, the, is the parents are rushing in and they're bailing their kids out. Right, so the kid never actually gets the opportunity to learn accountability. Absolutely. Uh, or they never get the opportunity to learn what uh, Angela Duckworth calls grit. So that stick to itness that actually has a very high co- correlation with um, uh, life success. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, resilience. Uh, mm-hmm. that's a, you know, that's sort of an emotional success. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just that whole idea of bailing them out and they, they don't feel that there's any consequences. Right. In their actions. Right. Because... There wasn't any consequences. Right. Mom and dad took the consequences out of their checkbook. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. Problem solving, goal setting, all these things are uh, facilitated by a capacity to think in a linear way. So to choose an action, follow it through, what's the potential, po- like what are the potentialities of choosing this action? Meaning what are the outcomes? What are all the potential outcomes, mm-hmm. right? And so when you take away accountability out of the equation, then people don't, Children, but also people in general, don't actually feel the connection between their choice and the outcome. And so the next time they go to set goals or the next time that they uh, have to make choices around uh, actions, potential actions to take, they they haven't had the experience of the outcome, good or bad, being sort of templated on their on their assessment of the situation. Right, right. Right? right. So they think about outcomes, but they don't think about them in terms of what 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 that outcome would actually feel like. Yeah. Right? There was a consequence of that outcome. Yeah, yeah. And and how... That's kind of kills... Well, it kills two things. One is, where's the critical thinking here? Yeah. You know, and the other one is is that there's, there's, uh, uh, you know, how do you strategize? Mm Mm-hmm. If you, you know, I mean, you know, if you think of corporate planning or yeah. even personal planning and you're strategizing your savings, your retirement or whatever, and you, you know, you're not monitoring that very well because there's no, nothing critical about it. Right. That's ex- exactly what the point really is, right? Is that you can't actually strategize effectively because you have not had the visceral experience, the right. neurological experience. You haven't had the corporeal experience that goes with accountability. Right, the out of experiencing the outcome of your choice. Exactly, and what right? that feels like. And hopefully, you learn, yeah, the, what an outcome feels like through tiny little increments. Right, you don't have to have like this massive thing happen for you to go, oh, okay, I get it. Right, you want to be able to learn, especially as a child, through the little things. Yeah, because all the little things that add up together and they make a they make a big learning. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, it is. It is. It's uh, uh, you know, it's, so many jobs now is made up of competencies. Yeah. You know, but but each each competency actually is like ten sub competencies mm-hmm. uh, that we have to be able to do. Like for instance, when you say you're going to go to bed, mm-hmm. you know, that requires a whole lot of competencies: the yep. ability to shut the house down, 
adjust the heating maybe or the air conditioning, the lights out, blocks on, animals fed, watered, walked. Alarm set. Alarm set, you know, all those kinds of things. So there's actually a lot involved in that one statement that says, I'm going to go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, so when people understand just, you know, a competency that we, the competencies that we have are actually a whole series of things that we learned growing up. Right, exactly. That's exactly what critical thinking is. Yeah. I got a joke for you. Okay. Okay. It's uh, basically, it's about outcomes and how you can think about outcomes. Okay. Okay. So there's a lawyer in a car, right? The ubiquitous lawyer joke. And he opens the door of his BMW and a car suddenly comes along and hits the door and rips it off completely. Door, boom, gone. And when the police arrive at the scene, the lawyer is complaining. He's whining bitterly about the damage to his super precious BMW. Right. Yeah. And uh, he says, uh, "Officer, look what I, look what's happened to my Beamer." He whines, right? And the uh, officer says, "You lawyers, you're so materialistic. You make me sick." Retorted, like <laughs> big yeah. retort, right? You're so worried about your stupid BMW that you didn't even notice that your left arm was ripped off. And the lawyer goes, "Oh my God!" Finally, noting that like he's got this bloody left shoulder where his arm once was, and he yells out, "Where's my Rolex?" <laughs> but, um, that's funny yeah <laughs> I don't get it <laughs> <laughs> no that's funny yeah <laughs> oh the ubiquitous yes uh, the ubiquitous lawyer, lawyer joke the you ubiquitous know. left arm ripped off joke <laughs> <laughs> well you know it really it really comes back to you know I think that growing up even like even that, that whole aging process you think that people would shift um you know, to want to understand why they move and act and think and feel the way they do. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm mostly curious most days, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. Of course, the more the more I dug in, it turns out that it's kind of like really the thing that drives me is Swiss chocolate. Yep. There you go. <laughs> That's it. Everybody has a driver. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's what gets me to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So to be an adult, we have to be able to admit our mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um. So we're all going to screw up at some point. Yep. You know, uh, things aren't going to go well. Uh, we may be too soft or too loud or our microphones aren't working very well, mm-hmm. but we still don't go through it. Right. You know, it's people who just walk away from stuff. You know, it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not dealing with it. I'm not fixing it. That's another one that drives me totally crazy. Yeah, withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. as well, as you said, it's that whole thing of learning completion. Yeah. You know? But I also think it has a lot to do with, uh, ultimately, how empowered you actually feel. Like, where's your locus of control, right? If you have a strong internal locus of control, and this is one of the things that we talked about last week, and one of the yeah. issues, say, for example, if you are in an abusive situation, right? It's The idea is that, well, I can just keep trying to make it right. So you can, this inner locus of control will goes often goes along with this sort of heightened tenacity, right? I know I can find the answer i know i can change this i know i can figure it out right so yeah. you you stick to it stick to it stick to it stick to it right whereas people who walk away might be the people who have an external locus of control so they don't actually feel that they have a whole lot of autonomy they don't actually feel like they have a whole lot of agency okay right in bringing about the change yeah. and so they kind of go ah this is screwed up i'm just going right. i'm leaving yeah, but it, it's kind of like, yeah, they never give themselves a chance. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the person who is who's sticking with it is, is you know, to go back to one of our very first shows, is the mm-hmm. one that will walk away and suddenly go, aha. Sometimes, yeah, they do, right? You know, it's uh, the people who just walk away, it just it wipes out of their brain. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, yeah, I was there, I tried it, I hated it. Not my problem. Yeah, exactly. I'm not doing neurosurgery mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> well, you know, there is something interesting in the social psych literature around the whole not my problem yep. uh, piece, right? When it's because, okay, so we live in a culture where all our tasks are broken down. Right. If you think about you go to, I don't know, McDonald's just to buy your food for lunch and they've got, you know, 20 people making it. Somebody's flipping the burgers. I don't know. That came to my mind. Right. McDonald's. I know I don't go there either, but it's like somebody's flipping the burger. Somebody's toasting the bun. Somebody's putting on the special sauce or whatever. Right. All of these tasks are broken down. And when the tasks are broken down, what it actually does is it diminishes a person's accountability. Right? Yep. Because you can go, hey, where are the pickles? And the pickles only represent a very small aspect of what it takes to actually create that Big Mac. 
right? Absolutely. So, yeah, so accountability is actually diminished. So people feel okay walking away from accountability because it was only pickles. It wasn't like the whole burger got screwed up. Right, right. But that's a, that's a, it's not my job. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's uh, that's probably the biggest one out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. It's not my job. Mm-hmm. And whose job might it be that I could be able to speak with? You well, know, right. Like, good luck on that one. Yeah, Phil yeah. Zimbardo does a lot of work on this. You know, he runs that shyness clinic now, right? Yeah, yeah. But all of his work is rooted on this idea that, uh, not all of it, but a chunk of it way back in from the 80s onwards, is rooted in this idea that when you break down these tasks, accountability is diminished. So if you think about crowd behavior... Yeah. You know, I just I just kicked the car. I just helped other people push it over, or I just jaywalked with all those other people, right? Yep. So yeah, we're not as accountable when we're doing something bad with friends. That's true. Right. That's true. We spread it around. Yeah. We're going to be accountable if we don't take a break here. Okay, go for it. <laughs> uh, this is uh, things worth considering. You're listening to, and I'm Gord. I'm here with Jan, and we will be back on the other side of these commercials. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental dynamic educational environment we believe learning is much more than just theories it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back to Things Worth Considering. Uh, You're here with Jan and Gord. Uh, We're talking about uh, making mistakes. We're talking about uh, the other side of uh, uh, blaming people, and that is taking responsibility of accepting uh, accepting things. So we we said just before we we went to break there about, uh, um, you know, when when our instinctive reaction, you know, when something bad happens, is to duck and cover, mm-hmm. you know, to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. We learned that as a kid, you know. Oh God, here comes mom, duck. You know, uh, for some people, it might have been mom, but uh, it was definitely there. But you know, depending on how badly we screw up, I mean, it could be you know the end of our job, our career, relationship, reputation, all those things. Uh, but people who really try to weasel out. You know, of uh, uh, when they've made a mistake, uh, like they want to say, "I made a mistake," but they're not going to be upfront, like yep. saying, "Wow, I really screwed up on this one." Yep. Uh, the classic ones are government officials. Mm. Their all-time favorite way of weaseling out is the non-admission of guilt embodied by the phrase, "Mistakes were made." Mm-hmm. Okay. It was said by Nixon at Watergate, Reagan. 
about the Iran-Contra affair. Hillary Clinton said it about Whitewater, and Alberto Gonzalez said about firing of federal prosecutors. Mm -hmm. Mistakes were made. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really, you know, that just slides right through, like, you know, the canola oils on the side. Mm -hmm. I, I just find that, you know, I mean, it's one thing to dodge a bullet, you know, but when you know someone else is going to take it if you're if you're dodging you duck it's still going to carry on right i find it really interesting too how um there's this tendency to like when we blame other people we blame them oh it's their ability it's their personality it's their evilness it's their forgetfulness it's whatever it is about them that's the problem but when we often take accountability for our own stuff yeah. we often make it situational think about speeding speeding i always use this example about driving a car right okay. speeding well <clears throat> when you're speeding somewhere and you get pulled over for speeding and your butt officer dot 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 <laughs> i really have a good reason and, and you know when you're speeding along you really do believe you do have a good reason right right the I'm song was really good. Meeting, I'm nah, nah, nah. Yeah, yeah, I was missing. I was listening to that song on the radio, and I got like I wasn't paying attention. Whatever it was, right? You have a good reason for doing it. But when you're driving along and somebody whips around you, what do you think? You think that guy's an idiot. Oh, totally. What could possibly be so important that they're going to risk my life? That they're so, going to cut me off. Yeah, and I think that this is a really interesting thing, right? Because when we accept accountability, when we we could say in that situation, yeah, I was speeding. But, dot, 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 I have a really good reason. Right. Right? So we have to, we rationalize it, essentially. Oh, yeah. Completely. Yeah. Completely. But yeah, mistakes were made. That's another way that it doesn't stick to us. Yeah. Mistakes were made. Right. Right. Mistakes were made. Yes, it mm-hmm. was. But, you know, admitting, admitting what we've done is really the first step in, in kind of really stepping into that adult responsibility piece. Yeah. You know, I grew up with the, the church that I went to. One of the, the sort of the tenets of the faith was that we accept personal responsibility. I, I was saying that when I was like eight years old. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a clue what it meant mm-hmm. um, because I didn't have a whole lot of responsibilities then other than walking the dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was like it's, it was one of like seven tenets of, of the faith that we would say uh, at, at every service. Yes. So that was really, really, you know, put on me. But the other thing is common sense. You know, a lot of people just don't have common sense. Right. And that's the consequences. Like they, they, they don't see beyond, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's there's not a lot of common sense out there. It's not growing in everybody's backyard, that's for sure. I think this is all, though, partly a function of our concept of how we age. So <clears throat> children aren't supposed to have common sense. They don't have experience in the world. They have imagination and creativity, and they don't know the laws of physics yet, and et cetera, et cetera, right? They don't know all the social rules. Yep. So again, this fits into what we were talking about last week, is that first chunk of your life is about socialization, learning all the things that you don't do, right? right? All the things that you must do, all the shoulds yep. to bring your little, you know, crazy little self, your active little self, to rein that in. Right. right. And then as adolescents, you have perhaps the body, the physical body of an adult. So you might be strong, you can reproduce, you can do all these other things, right, perhaps. Um, and you might have some of the drives. If you're a sociobiologist, you would say there's drives in there, right? But you might have all these things going on that you want to accomplish, that you want to, that are part of who you are. Mm-hmm. But you have not yet developed the rationality to do that, right? That's oh. the idea is that you're still sort of emotionally uh, geared, just like a child. So the whole idea of Western concept of aging is that, in fact, we're born into the world with very little rationality. The rationality has to develop. And as the rationality develops, the emotionality decreases. Right. And successful aging is characterized by that. So you emerge on the adult scene, great logical problem solver with your little linear framework you can make your choices you're accountable you're rational all these other things the reality is you feel nothing yeah well could be (laughs) right are you really organized and that's great but i think the reality is most of us don't actually emerge into adulthood that way which is really to your point that do we ever outgrow our emotionality well absolutely it depends what our triggers are really Mm. you know uh and and the types of people that we might be encountering or or attracting to us that will that'll fire off those Mm -hmm. you know one person says one thing and it's like you're like this eight-year-old all over again Mm -hmm. you know acting that way Mm -hmm. some people will feel that way you know, if they've come out of a marriage or something, you know, uh, and now they're back dating. 
And going out on dates, they feel like this awkward 14, 15-year-old all over again. Yeah, because the last time they dated might have been 14 or 15. 14 or 15, right? Exactly, exactly. And so you kind of pick up where you left off. Yeah. And if you've been out of circulation for a while, sometimes, well, the rules change pretty fast. They change weekly. Yeah. Yeah, I can barely keep up to all the rules are mailing into me. Yeah, there you go. But it's, you know, it's not easy being a grown-up either, and you know, as much as we talk about, you know, oh, being responsible for everything, there's so much that goes on around us and for us and to us that we have control, we don't have control. Um, and, and just being able to step into that, I think that, you know, successfully stepping into it, we become a grown-up. If we don't successfully step into it, we, what I'm calling, we're grown-up. Okay, grown grown I'm I'm sitting here and I'm uh, I'd rather be lying down right now. That's a play on words. It is a play on words. words. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, uh, I didn't say I was giving up playing. Just now, it's words. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, and there's a ton of stressors out there that make it easy for us to groan about things. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, ton, definitely. Ton, ton, ton of stressors. Yeah, yeah. Well, the stressors. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, you know, big ones that I'm, I'm seeing right now are, are uh, certainly my uh, my friends and so on are empty nesting. Mm. You know, the kids have really, really finally left. Of course, they're 45. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> it's like, I thought you'd never let your children go out that front door. Um, but, you know, empty nesting with my parents was like, we were gone at 17 and 18, you know. Yeah. Now it's like 30-something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite an extension. And when you people say had things, their kids later on in life as well. They had their kids when they were in their 30s. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so empty nesting, losing your job. Uh, you know, one friend was, was uh, let go after a huge career. Uh, because a, a paper went around, it got wind of it, that uh, the oldest person in each division was to be let go. Wow. I mean, it's a total human rights violation. Yeah, totally. But if if anything was said, that would be the end of the package. Right, 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 right. You know, I mean, it was just like, I, wow. was, I couldn't believe that somebody actually did that. I can't believe somebody wrote that down. Uh-huh. Right? It wrote it down and it went national. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, you know, burn out in your career, or you know, you're stuck in a, a toxic job or something like that, or toxic mm-hmm. marriage, even stress of unhappiness in mm-hmm. marriage. That's probably, you know, I don't think there's anything more stressful than to be in an unhappy marriage. I think it's mm-hmm. the loneliest place in the world to be. Well, yeah, but I think a lot of people are unhappy and they blame it on their marriage. Well, true, true. Yeah, so then they get divorced and they go, oh, wait a minute, I'm just unhappy. Right. right. I thought when I got rid of him, and I, I got to pay the mortgage yeah. myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good. It's a good observation. You know, Thank it's, you. again, it comes back to that blame thing again. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I'm not being in touch with uh, the fact that we're nothing more than Swiss chocolate. Yeah, and know? the flip side is right. If you accept accountability for your life and for your own choices, regardless of how they turn out, right? Then yep. it actually then it's like you're grounded. You're grounded in your own life, so you can create change around you. Yeah. Um, in a way that feels good. So you still might not like your partner very much, but it becomes easier perhaps to live with them. Yes. Because you at least know that the situation that you're in is a function of the choices that you made. Right. 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 And then there's still places to choices. learn yeah. from that place. Yeah. And that's why that's when, you know, you can tell a couple when they come to couples therapy, right? The ones that are going to work out and the ones that work <laughs> out, meaning the ones that are going to stay together. Yeah. And that's my bias, I guess, but, or the ones who are going to break up. Right, not work out, I guess. <laughs> right? Is is um is it's all in the perception because people fundamentally often their habits don't really change. Not always. They're doing the same thing the way they used to do it. Right. When they were, you know, somebody's pain in their side. But the difference is that the person who is judging them is actually accepting accountability for yeah, their own exactly. perceptions. Yeah. Right. They see themselves as being part of a dynamic yeah. as opposed to pointing fingers and saying you know, you're this way or that way, yeah. or you don't do this, you don't do that. It's you. Uh, it's like, wow, what needs aren't being met here that's being acted? Yeah, it's somewhere? all the relational dynamics, right? Yeah. Unless, of course, there's traumatization through domestic violence. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's just so, so wrong, you know. Right. Um, I think, too, you know, uh, also our parents have aged or mine have passed away already. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I see... You know, and, and in some ways, I really feel blessed by my parents that that I, you know, they left early. I'm way too young to be an orphan, mm-hmm. but 
it's like I don't have to go through the whole thing of putting them in a home or, or you know, taking away their license because they're in danger or yeah. all these things that I know lots of, lots of friends are going through all kinds of stuff like that with parents. Yeah, and that's challenging because in a way you are still the child, right? You're on one side, right? yeah. yeah. To, in, in the eyes of the parent is often you're still the child. So you don't have the kind of power to make the decisions that you need to make. Right. That, but you, you have the responsibility of a parent. Of a parent, <laughs> exactly. but you're still seen as being the child. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really, a really flipped around uh, role, role. Uh, totally role mess you up. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. go from being the baby to uh, now you're a parent, mm-hmm. uh, parenting your parent. Uh, uh, medical stuff, uh, personally, as we're aging, you know, uh, by you know, finances, bankruptcy, all that. But just the stress, it it really. I don't want to be growing up now that I've talked about it like it's this. It's hard work. Yeah, it's too much stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, of course, hmm. it's hard work being a child too, right? I mean, look at all <laughs> the, the depression and anxiety and, you know, all the generalized anxiety disorder and all the various other things that kids are experiencing today. Well, yeah, this is true. We're aware of, so. Or having to deal with your partner's mental health or their addictive behaviors and medical issues. So, I mean, it's not just yourself and your parents. You know, we've got a, we've got a spouse here. That we have to deal with their stuff, or they're in jail. Wow! Oh my God, I'm so freaking sad now. I know. I mean, it's just like I, I hope they get out eventually. They all need puppies. Everyone needs puppies. <laughs> bring bring the puppies in from Houston. Exactly right. <laughs> Everyone needs puppies. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, we develop new coping mechanisms as mm-hmm. adults. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, what we we had as a child, of course, the, the stage was set, but. You know, uh, excessive drinking, compulsive shopping or gambling, porn addiction, workaholic behaviors. Uh, you know, we can get into into some very dysfunctional coping strategies that will last for a long time until our body breaks down. Right. So here's the interesting thing. If you think about it sociologically, you think about capitalism and industrialization. It's giant uh, uh, historical um, like this confluence of historical forces, right? Boom, 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 boom. And the family unit within indu- an industrialized capitalist society, these are not aberrant conditions, right? Yeah. Uh, addiction, compulsive shopping, porn, workaholism, any of these extreme things. These are actually, according to certain sociologists and social theorists like uh, Deleuze and Gattari, for example, they talk about the ways in which the whole family structure as a structure of consumption Mm. actually gears us, socializes us to have this sort of emptiness inside of us so that that we externalize and that we go shopping and we do these external things to fill up this empty hole that we can never actually fill up. And we do that because it's the psychological mechanism of capitalism where Mm. you never have enough. You always need, always need more. You need the next piece. You need the newest thing. You need more alcohol. You need more sex. You need more, 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 more. And so, of course, in in a with an ideology like that, right, yeah. fueling our addictions, how can we ever escape from it, right? Well, yeah, yeah. And it supports an the entire economic structure. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it sounds like it's totally, some economists like thought this one up. You know how do we how do we keep people trapped in this you know circle going around and around? Yeah. I don't know if I fully agree with it. No, oh, okay. Well, we'll talk more about that later. We'll do a whole show and I'll convince you. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, of course, all those triggers that we just talked about are really hit our self worth. So again, back to self worth. To be self worthy here and responsible, we're taking another break. <gasps> And we will be back to Things Worth Considering here on uh, Voice America Talk Radio. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. 
This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, we're talking about how we take responsibility for our lives and uh, we eventually move on to become a grown-up, not a grown-up. Uh, so, any ideas on how we take responsibility? Um, don't have children. <laughs> don't have children. <laughs> That's responsible. Strategy. Yeah. 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 I, I take care of uh, rescue animals. I guess that's the other thing, right? Is responsible to whom and to what, right? That's something that I, you know, don't want to be responsible for my own children. <clears throat> right. Right. So, so just to be clear, I don't have any. So it's not like I had some and then left them. But right. I um, But I don't mind being responsible in some ways for the planet. Yes. Right? Yeah. I'm absolutely. Responsible for some of these other things. Yeah, and I think that really ties into the you know that we see things in, in someone else's perspective. Yeah. For you sure. know, we get so uh, people just get so caught up in, uh, uh, you know, how how they're experiencing the world mm-hmm. is what is the person beside you feeling? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, the person that's upset in front of you, like, you know, just to have, you know, I mean, that's that that empathetic, you know, uh, the the empathy of just connection of of compassion. Right. You know, I think we're so cut off. We continue to be so cut off from from ourselves. And therefore, each other that we don't even know what other people are going through. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if we care sometimes. Yep, I think that's right. As as get out of my way. I'm in a hurry. I've got an appointment, a meeting, and I have my BMW to go. Yeah, with no door. With no door, and and the God, Rolex. It's a stick shift because I still have my right arm. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, uh, it's kind of uh, yeah. So to have someone else's perspective, and then also to be sympathetic, to realize that our mistakes affect people, mm-hmm. and recognize how that's affected people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's almost an alley here. I'm just thinking when I'm looking at this is you know, sometimes I refer back to the twelve steps uh, in AA, and this this is really like that that part of you know recognizing, you know, other people have been hurt. You know, where, where you'll actually go and make amends where it can be made. It's, you don't force it on people. But uh, it is, it's, it's kind of like taking, taking a, a good inventory of oneself. Right. I think it comes down to uh, relational thinking. And I think that that is something that often our culture is not very good at. No. Right? No. Is understanding that instead of sort of seeing ourselves as this kind of lone wolf walking the streets of whatever place, you know, we are at. Doing Durango. It is, Durango, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, you know, ooh, lone wolfing it through life, right? And having to be responsible for everything and autonomous and independent and all that kind of stuff is if we see ourselves as part of a network of people. And what that means is everywhere we go, we leave behind some sort of impact. We have some sort of impact. Just yeah. as other people impact us, other situations have an impact upon us, right? So 
And when we see ourselves as part of a network, it it means that we have to think relationally. You can be sitting on a bus and the music that you're listening to on your on your earbuds or whatever, really loudly, might have zero effect on the person to the right because they or they might actually like the music. Yeah. But the person on the left might it might be agitating to them. Totally. Right? Oh God, that's happened to me more than once. Yeah, so it's kind of like when we think about things relationally, we always, it's challenging to think about things relationally because it's a lot of work because we always have to be maybe uh, anticipating or curious. Let's use that word, curious, Mm -hmm. about how what we're doing, even the moments that are sort of most innocuous, right? Right. How how those things, how our behavior and our feelings and our movement or whatever is actually affecting the people around us. Right, and then we have to be prepared to modify if we need to. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's that's sort of at the basis of, yeah. of psychotherapy of the of what they call SUS, the safe and effective use of self. Right, of course. And that is when you walk into that room to go into a session, or if, if it's electronic, is what are you bringing in there? That's going. To, how is that going to impact? How is that going to affect? You know, mm-hmm. and what parts of you shouldn't be going into that room? Yeah. You know, we all have parts. And some, you know, uh, for instance, humor. Humor has to be used so delicately in in a, uh, a counseling situation in therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If there's even a place for it until, yeah. you know, we're further along. But, yeah, it's having that sense of what is it, what is other people going through. And I think that's the basis of compassion, right? We talk a lot about sympathy and empathy. Yeah. But I think what we really mean is compassion. Yeah. Right? So... Compassion is the capacity to understand that someone else's feelings are intense and important to them, right? Yeah. Maybe having a hard time escaping those feelings in the moment. Exactly, exactly. Bad shit happens to people, right? And they're allowed to have a reaction to it. Absolutely, absolutely. As long as it doesn't inconvenience me, though. Well, right, yeah. Right, so. And then how people operate. Yeah? Yeah. And then we say, well, you know. So are you feeling that way, but could you kind of move it outside for right now? Yeah, and that's where compassion actually comes in, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and compassion absolutely comes in when we have our compassion healing circles. Every other Friday, I've got to throw it in because, to you know, uh, tomorrow – there's going to be another compassion healing circle at Transformational Arts at 3300 Young Street. I just right. had to throw that in. Right. Yeah. And I think another thing that we can do is take responsibility, right? It's about accepting accountability. That's a hard one. If it's not in our nature to do that. Yep. And I think why is it not in our nature to do that? Well, fear, right? Fear, and yeah. often fear of judgment. Yeah. I always think that. Not knowing what your, your um, verdict will be on me, what the sentence will be. Exactly. The punishment. Yeah. And, you know, part of that whole thing, right, is that we spend way more time thinking about what other people are thinking about us than other people actually do thinking about us. <laughs> it is so true. Right? It's I so know true. that from teaching, right? Yeah. Years ago, it'd be like, oh, how does my hair look? Or, you know, I hope this looks okay. They don't care. They don't even notice. They don't even notice, yeah. right? They just know that you're the person that stands between them and law school or something, right? Right. <laughs> and the one that me. does notice is the creepy kid in the back. You got it, right? <laughs> so you know what I mean? This is this is a good lesson, I think, for us in life, right? Is we are way more tuned into what we think we haven't done for people than what other people are yeah. tuned into often. I mean, you notice. know, it's like, do you think the rabbit, the fox, and your dog get up in the morning and go, God, I hope my hair's okay before I go outside. No. Exactly. exactly. You know, right? it's like, yep, I'm awake, gone. Go to dog park. Yeah, go to the dog Here park. I am. Yeah, exactly. Right. In all my glory, and I didn't even brush my teeth. That's right. I'm not suggesting that at all, please, folks. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, that, that whole, well, it's not even a self-awareness. That's a self-consciousness. Yeah. Where we've been taught to be terribly, terribly self-conscious. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. all shame-based behavior. Mm-hmm. It's yes. totally based in shame. And yeah. we talked about blame and shame rhyming, but also being the same thing. Yeah. They're sisters holding hands. They're sisters holding hands. Yes, exactly. Or two brothers the- that are just going out for a beer. Yeah, exactly. But they're going to attack. <laughs> yeah. So it's important, too, not to try to weasel out of your responsibilities. Because what, what I've found is that when you accept accountability for things and you say, oh, I'm sorry, actually relationships can grow from that. Because what you realize, right, is that, oh, here I am, my imperfect self, screwing up left and right and going, oops, 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 I did it, I did it, oops, right? Uh, And learning what you need to learn from it. And and in that moment, what you realize is that, yep, you goofed up, it's not cool, but nobody's left you yet. Uh, Exactly. Still worthy of love. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because because that's our that's you know part of our awfulizing is like, oh my god, you know, everyone's going to leave me, no one's going to talk to me. Uh, and it's most most of the stuff that people put themselves through never happens. Yeah. The awfulizing, and, I like that word. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. it's just so awful. And and they just build it up, it's a catastrophe, the whole world is coming to an end. And uh Never does, but boy, the amount of energy that went into building to that place mm-hmm. is exhausting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, have a plan. You know, have mm-hmm. a plan about how you're going to clean up your, the mess you might have just made. Mm-hmm. You know, that you're you're apologizing for. Yeah. No, it it takes a little bit of of uh, you know sort of wherewithal just to get through it. And well, you know what? Being sincere in that apology. Right, and that's the learning piece, right? Yeah. Is what do you what do you go forward with? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Because somebody, somebody may feel like you know, well, uh, the trust has been destroyed, or this, or because we're we're more likely in, in our society to walk away than to to try and sort it through. Mm-hmm. You no, know, and I'm talking about I'm not talking about like marriages or anything. I'm talking about even just friends. Right. Yeah. You know, we we have become very externally very conflict averse, yet we're always in conflict on the inside. Mm. Yes. We're always angry. We're always always arguing with somebody. But when it you know, it's suddenly sitting in front of us, outside of ourselves, we're we're gonna try to get out of it as quickly as possible. We're right. very averse to that. I would say that that's true. Yeah. It's yeah. like we just internalized it. Yep. You know? Uh, but what that doesn't do is doesn't give any credibility to the relationships. Right. Because yeah, it's that... like you screwed up, screw you, I'm out of here. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because often relationships we perceive now as being more temporary. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. if you think about how relationships develop, right, is that in that in those first stages, you don't want to make a mistake, right? Because yeah. you're afraid that it's going to be over, um, overvalued in the relationship. Oops, I burnt the spaghetti. Oh, my God. You know, some totalizing thing. You're a horrible cook. You can't make noodles, blah, blah, blah. And therefore, right? you're a horrible person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, of course, what happens after you burn the noodles and then the next time you, you know, burn the beans and you burn everything else all the way through the relationship is then you actually realize that there's, of the relationship, chances are the other person should be doing the cooking. Exactly. You know what I mean, like you learn what your strengths are and how to spread those strengths out across the whole relationship, right? So, well, actually, I think you learn what you're going to be doing in the first week of mm-hmm. marriage. Mm-hmm. Don't take out the garbage; you'll be taking it out for the next forty years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or take out the garbage because you like to do things. Well, because you like to do things exactly, but just right? remember, whatever you do in that first year, you pick up to start cooking. You're you going to be doing it. a lot of cooking. You, you know? own it. So. How do we move then to be a grown-up as a, instead of a, a grown-up? Because my observation is is that I think that if we don't accept who we are, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like a major reality test here is that our story without alterations to it, okay, push through our old feelings that we are probably still carrying around, because eventually all of those old stressors from way back when, they're going to externalize. They're going to hit our body. Mm-hmm. That's the, oh, God. Oh, yep. God, the groan getting out of bed, the groan standing up, the groan getting out of the chair, getting out of the car. A lot of groaning going on. There's a lot of groaning. Yeah. I'm much older than I thought I'd ever be. Oh, God. How mm-hmm. long does this go on for? <laughs> Hopefully a little bit longer. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think that, you know, um, most of us, I mean, that's a, that's a whole therapeutic piece, you know, yep. that if we don't own our story without all of the all the alterations that we make, all the lies that we keep telling ourselves, yeah. you know, and not owning it, then that's just we're just going to turn into grumpy, rude, self-centered old people. Yeah, you know what I love about owning your story though is that as soon as you own it, you realize it's actually not even you because you're so much bigger than your story. That's, that's right. Right. That's right. You're so removed from it. Yeah, exactly. Like if you think back to all the things that you did when you were a teenager or whatever, right? Nope. And that were so. Important and such a, a shaping experience. We were right? an influencer. <clears throat> yeah, right? <laughs> but it was so shaping as to who, who you believe that you developed into. Yeah. And then, you know, X number of years later, it's like, uh, I actually can't even remember anything that happened. That's right. Right? And it's at a certain point, I, I do recall the different stories 
different narratives I've created in my own life that have, I believe, have been key shapers. And as soon as I go, oh, yeah, and I tell the story X number of times yeah, until yeah. I'm tired of telling it, <laughs> right? It, yeah, yeah. Has, it has no power. No, no, not at all. But but it, as long as it's kept silent, it's very powerful. Yeah, and that's the whole thing about secrets. And that's the whole that's the whole thing. Period about telling the story is that you have to tell the story to learn who you are. Yes. And then when you learn who you are, and you you feel who you are from a solid place, then you don't need a story because you don't have yeah. to explain anything to anybody. Absolutely, absolutely. Healing is it. Yeah, our healing is in the narrative. Yeah. It's so, it's just so, so important. You know, one of the things I think that stops us from sort of owning and stepping gracefully into uh, our age is our our society is just so ageist. Yeah. It's not okay to grow old. And that's the social story. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The midlife crisis. Yeah. You know, and that's only midlife. Like, yeah. what about when you get up to be like 8,500? Yeah, we have stories about adolescents and we have stories about 30-year-olds who still live in the basement who haven't, you know, developed into their neoliberal, rational, autonomous, independent, you know, citizen self. <laughs> Everything our mothers were hoping for. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Oh, right? you're still living down there, huh? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think that ageism plays a, uh, plays a role in, in the, you know, every, everything else that we've talked about. But Yeah, as does know, sexism, racism, ableism. You know, there's a, there's a, there's no respect for sexism. Yeah, yeah, for aging people, yeah, and it's exactly. really that's really tragic to me. Mm-hmm. You know, not because I'm on route to becoming one, but you know, I just think that there's so much value in a life lived. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I would love to know so many of these people's stories, and you can see it in their bodies now. Mm-hmm. The way they're hunched over, the way they walk, the way, you know, all those things. There's a great project that's an online archives, and you can actually go and interview. Uh, people about their lives. I think you just have to be 60 or over to be interviewed, something like that. Oh, cool. And they're collecting stories. They have thousands and thousands and thousands of stories. Yeah. People just talk for about 20 minutes. We're coming up to the end. About their life. I, you don't even have 20 seconds. Well, yeah. they're not going to hear any of those stories. <laughs> but yeah, those stories, absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I love those. So, um, yeah, uh, tomorrow on uh, October 4, uh, we have our Compassion Healing Circle at 3300 Young Street up on the third floor. It's open to everyone. It's by donation only. And uh, it's great meditation, great healing energies. And you are invited if you are in the Toronto area. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you, Jen. As always, it's a hoot and a holler. Thank you. Let's get out there with your dog. My doggy. <laughs> Thanks, Gordon. And uh, hope you all have a great week. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.